I don't know about you, but I just feel that and sense in my spirit that there's just a lot of unrest in our nation today. I was awakened this morning. I watched the news. I wanted to watch the local weather and news and turn on Channel 3, which is on at 6. Channel 8 doesn't come on until 7. And Channel 3 is talking about a police officer in North Carolina who was a six-year Marine veteran, fought in Afghanistan, Iraq for six years, came back home, became a policeman in North Carolina, was on a call, a domestic call last night or the night before of a man who threatened to kill his wife and his three kids. And he was in the car and the policeman went up to him and said, can I, can I, you know, so, so he did some work with this guy and he was going to take him in just to get him away from his, of his threats to the wife. And the guy pulled out a gun and shot the policeman in the face and killed him instantly. After serving six years in the Marines, fighting against the craziness in the Middle East. And then this morning, not after that report, I get a report on Channel 8 at 7 o'clock about two policemen who were sitting in their car in L.A., Los Angeles, just sitting there, a male and a female just sitting there protecting something and somebody came up to them with a nine millimeter and shot each of them all nine mil all nine shots four in one and three in the other and they're both fighting for their life in the hospital I, I tell you guys it's the Bible did predict these days in Isaiah 5 verse 20 Isaiah prophesied that there would be a day will come when they will call evil good and good evil. We're living those days. And then in Second Timothy chapter three, it said it says to us in Second Timothy three nine But the, but know this that, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters and proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away, for of this sort are those who creep in the households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But they, are, they will progress no further, for their folly will manifest to all and, and others also. It says then, it says, the, some other things, it also goes down, it says that persecution, verse 12 says in that same chapter, 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things you have learned and be assured of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus, which is in Christ Jesus. Perilous times. Perilous times. And then in 1 Peter, if you go there with me, 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, it says, pray for all men. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that they may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men, verse 4, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth, 
For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which he says, I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a speak, and I am speaking the truth in Jesus, in Christ, and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I'd like to pray. I'd like you to join with me. Father, we just lift up to you, Lord, our, our nation, America. It seems like it's spinning on its axis and teetering back and forth with all kind of crazy ideologies and a lot of people who just don't know who you are. They don't know your goodness. They don't know your love. They don't know that they were created in your image. They don't know that they're sons and daughters of God. They just don't know. And so they live within themselves. They become lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Lord, we pray today. We pray, Lord, that there would be peace, that there would be mercy in this nation. Lord, you gave us the church. You gave us. The responsibility, Lord, to pray, to believe, to speak truth in love, to share the good news, the good news of Christ, the goodness of God in these times. And Lord, you live within us and you've given us this incredible ability to tell others about your love. Lord, I pray that we would be the soldiers of this day and Lord, we would be about the Father's business. We would go out into the streets or into our neighborhoods. We would tell our neighbors and our friends. And I believe somebody has somebody and everybody has somebody that can tell them about the love of God and the goodness of God. So, Father, I pray for the release of the ministers of reconciliation that you said we were in Second Corinthians 5. That we've been all given a ministry to reconcile those back to God so that they might know him. And, Father, I pray for this week. I pray for Thursday night. When there will be a great worship set set up on Edgewater Beach, Lord, praying for the power of God to come into this city, which I believe it's already here. But, Lord, I just pray that there would be a demonstration and there will be many who will give their lives to Christ, repent of their sins, Lord, get water baptized that day and see a transformation. And I also believe that many Christians who are on the fence or, or deceived or not understanding the will of God or the, what you want them to do, Lord, that they would be set free from their deception. And, Lord, they would be able to see. And I thank Jenny for her incredible testimony of how she was swept away and then all of a sudden the light came on and she saw. Lord, we pray that many would see that light. They would see the difference between darkness and they will not be able to call evil good anymore or good evil. But, Lord, that there would be a transformation. There would be a change in our city. And I thank you for Sean coming, Lord, and as he is traveling all over the country. Lord, I, I thank you for his gift and his ministry. And I pray that we will see great fruit from, that, from this thing that's happening on Thursday. And great things happening here, Lord, at Grace Point and across the city at other churches. We pray for an outpouring, Lord, of your Spirit like never before. We pray for miracles to manifest like never before. Lord, we are a people who expect miracles. And Lord, we want to see them from salvation to deliverance to every freedom that is available to man. Lord, we pray that it will come today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Just some quick announcements about this week. Again, if you look in your bulletins on the bottom, there's a little box there that says, Let Us Worship, Cleveland, Ohio, September 17th, Edgewater Park Beach, 6 p.m. So if you can make it, be there with, with Sean. He's only here one day. That's it. The following day he'll be in Tampa. The day after that he'll be in Orlando. And he'll just keep on moving because he's been in Seattle. He's been in Portland. He's been in Washington. He's been in California. He's just letting the Holy Spirit lead him where he must go. Amen. And then also on the back, we have the Joy Infusion Gospel Awakening coming October 2nd, 3rd and 4th here with Cole Harmon and Matt Spinks. 
from Firehouse Projects. And then the following weekend, we have Sandra McCollum and Nicole, Saturday, October 10th. And then Nicole will be speaking for us on the 11th. So set your calendars, mark your calendars, so we can do those things. Amen? The fans are excessive today. <laughs> My pages will not listen. Let's go to Isaiah 25. I want to talk about the tent of David. The tent of David. You can, if you want to call it the tabernacle of David, that's fine. But actually, his tabernacle was a tent. And one thing I know for sure is that when I read Revelation, Revelation 21, verse 5, it says that God moved into the neighborhood and pitched a tent in your backyard. Actually, He moved into you and He lives inside of you. Amen? You read that in the Message Bible. But in Isaiah 25, verses 6 and 9, it says this, And this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the leaves, of fat things full of marrow, I guess I fit into that. Of well-refined wines on the leaves, and he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covered cast over the people, and the veil is spread over all nations. Verse 8, And he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the rebuke of his people. He will turn away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken and then verse 9, And it shall be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him, and He will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. And we will, re we will be glad and rejoice in His salvation, which is the goodness of God. Amen? Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 3. It says, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I love these scriptures. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, whenever you see the word loving kindness in the Old Testament, it means God's covenant of love. I have drawn you again. I will build you and you shall be rebuilt, says the Lord. Verse 7, go down to verse 7. For thus saith the Lord, Sing with gladness for Jacob, and shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. And then go to verse 12. 12 through 14. It says, Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming, what are they streaming to? The goodness of the Lord, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. For wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and their herd, their souls shall be like a well-watered garden. Their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. And I will satiate the soul of the priest with abundance and my people shall be satisfied with what? My goodness, said the Lord, says the Lord. And so the voice of the Father is good. We talked about, we sang that, I love that song, Great is the Lord that we sang. I loved all the music. I loved all the, every verse. But boy, that one, he puts, he puts the breath in our lungs. I mean, that's anti-COVID. You know, that's the healing of, of trusting. I, I, I'm still, I, I still believe at some point, maybe five, ten years from now, we're going to look back at this time and say, we were tricked. We were tricked. And there are going to be a lot of people sitting here today saying to me, You're crazy, Pastor Mike. You're not. This is not. This is real. It's not real. I don't believe it's real. I believe we're being scammed. 
I've seen enough scam this year to, to keep me busy for a year with all the crazy stuff that's been going on in this nation. The voice of the Father is good, for He is good. And we know that is why Jesus came to reveal the Father. Because the religious leaders of Jesus' day hated that revelation. They didn't want to know that God was good. They wanted to know what God was going to do with their enemies, how He was going to kill them and pour out His wrath on them. That's what they wanted to know. Listen, I witnessed to a guy once about five, six years ago. I won't tell you too much details, but we were in a workplace. I was working at that time, and I started to tell him about the goodness of God. Can I tell you something? He got mad at me. He didn't want to hear about the goodness of God. He wanted to hear about the wrath of God. When is God going to get my enemies and get them good? He says, I want them all dead. I says, no, that's not God, buddy. He says, that's what I hear every Sunday when I go to church. How bad I am. How bad the world is. How bad everybody is. I never hear about the goodness of God. Where did you get this message? I said, I got it from Jesus. I got it from my Bible. Romans 2, verse 4. Read it. Romans 2, 4. It says, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. It doesn't say the wrath or the badness of God. It says the goodness of God leads to repentance. And the leaders of Jesus' day hated that revelation so much that when Jesus tried to show them the Father, they crucified Him. They crucified Him. And refusing the revelation of the Father through Jesus Christ and the image they rejected was that of a kindly and compassionate Father. But they wanted to maintain the image of a God who was so holy that He had to hide behind a drape that no one could approach. And everything I read in the New Covenant about Jesus starting in John chapter 1 all the way to the book of Revelation is about God dwelling in us, wanting to live with us, wanting to walk with us, wanting to be our comfort, wanting to be somebody who's interested in us, no matter what we do, no matter how bad it is. A God who is accessible rather than inaccessible. A God who is good and kind, gracious, compassionate, loving, not the type of God that other people try to portray Him. I heard one this week that I, I couldn't believe. I heard a Christian tell me they were pro-life. And I said, wow, you surprised me. And they said, wait a minute, Pastor Mike, I'm pro-life, but I'm not pro-birth. I go, What? How could you be pro-life and still believe it's okay to murder a child in the womb? He was a Christian. Goes to church every day. In fact, he leads worship in a church here in Northeast Ohio. He said, I'm pro-life, but I'm not pro-birth. I said, oh my gosh, Lord, help me here. But Jesus came to show us the true nature of the Father. You want to know where warfare is? It's when you start talking to people. You want to fight? You just start talking to somebody about the goodness of God, about the love of God. You see what happens. Just start sharing. You'll suffer persecution. <laughs> They'll come at you like a crazy person and say you're nuts. See, but today I believe that God is really showing Himself strong that through the revelation of grace, goodness, and love because He's trying to show us the true image of the Father. He loves us. I mean, God is really showing Himself who He really is so that others can know Him as He is known. And I believe God is on the moves to display His goodness. I'll prove it to you in Scripture. I mean, how many Scriptures did I just read you out of Isaiah? I've talked about the goodness. 
coming to the goodness of God. His glory, His grace in all the earth, that once more the nations of the earth will become jealous and they will, and they will lead even Israel. The, the Bible, Paul even talked in Romans how God was going to use the Gentiles to make Israel jealous so that they would come to Him. And that's happening across the world. And God's motive in all this was to get Israel to come back to Him that they would get so jealous of the Gentiles that they'd come running back. But things are about to change because God is about to do what He promised. You read Jeremiah 31, 32, 33. It will so display the goodness of God that people are going to come streaming to the goodness of the Lord. I have a good friend who wrote, this is this little Bible here. It looks little because it's not a full Bible because it's not fully done in the translation. But this Bible is translated by Brian Simmons, who's a pastor in New Jersey. It's called the Passion Translation. And he prophesied this week that God was going to raise up, come to Jesus meetings all across America, and people would be streaming to the goodness of God. They would be streaming to the goodness of God. And he said that he would make a covenant with us, that he would never turn away from us from doing good. And he said in Jeremiah 33, all the nations of the earth are going to tremble because of the prophecies and the prosperities that is going to come upon you and all the goodness that I'm going to do to my people. I tell you, I heard a pastor this week. His name is Pastor Steve Eden. He's got probably seven books written. He's a powerful guy. He's an independent guy out of North Carolina or South Carolina. He bought a building with 13 acres. He had a 15-year mortgage. Somebody walked up to him this week and paid off his mortgage. And then gave him an extra $100,000 to invest in anything he wanted for the glory of God. So is God able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think? I mean, we're here because of God. This building is ours because of God. Hey, He put a guy's, He put it on a guy's heart to give us $300,000. I, I didn't have it in my pocket. The church only had $3,000. He gave us the money. God saw. God did. Because God is good. And we're all about to see it, so hold on to your seats. We're going to see signs and wonders like never before that will flow out of our union with Him and our understanding of who we are in Him because we are just like Him. It says in 1 John 4.17. You want to get a new Scripture, John? I think we're done with that one. 1 John 4.17. It says in Jesus' day, Jesus saw it, and when Jesus saw it, He was excited. And we know that Jesus could have done it all by Himself. How many know that if Jesus wanted to do the whole thing by Himself while He was on the planet, He could have did it? He was the Creator of all things. But He said, I was gonna, I'm going to My Father and you're going to do so much more than I've ever done. In John 14, 12, He said, Most assuredly, New King James, and if you're a King James uh, Bible person, it's verily, verily. He says, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in Me, the works I do, he or she will do also, and greater works than these will you do because I go to my Father. Greater. Because the Holy Spirit is coming. And when the Holy Spirit comes, there comes an anointing upon your life so to be as the Father and Jesus in the world today. And so the Father wants to do more through you, His church today, than Jesus did while He was on earth. And to me, that's startling. And I see it across the world. There's miracles happening across the world. I mean, if the Father wanted to do it all through Jesus, He could have, but no, He said, I'm going away so that you can do greater works. It is the heart of the Father to demonstrate His goodness. Can you say, I want some of His goodness? And I want more. And I want more. <laughs> Amen? The goodness, the glory, the grace, the demonstration of such great works... But what I want to unveil to you today is how this all works and what it will look like as we observe the patterns in Scripture. Let's start for just by remembering Mount Sinai, that revelation. On the outside, the holiness of God 
And on the inside, the presence of God was awesome. And even when God spoke from the outside, His voice sounded like thunder. The very thing happened with Jesus. The Father spoke to Jesus, and the people thought they heard thunder. And the voice of God to the outsider sounds like thundering. And the presence of God looks like something very terrible and foreboding. But Jesus came into the world to say to us all, you can come and sit on the Father's lap. Amen? You can come and sit in the Father's presence. He isn't bad at all. He is good. I've given over 50 books of Andrew Womack away called The War is Over. 50. I'll give another 50 if God tells me to. I had somebody call me from Florida last week and said to me, God moved on my heart and he wants me to buy two cases of Bibles and give them to all my family and friends. He says, what do you recommend as the best? And I told him, and he took in my advice, and he went out and bought them, and he's giving to them to all of his family and friends. Amen? And so, and the father never revealed himself to Abraham like that, did he? No, because Abraham believed him. You know what Abraham's uniqueness was about Abraham? What was unique about Abraham? Abraham was a praiser of God. He was a worshiper. Abraham was a worshiper, and he revealed it to his people who are bound and lost in unbelief. And that is the unbelief and the faithfulness and the goodness of God to them. And so God made a decision that He was not going to let any of them come near until the sacrifice of Jesus was complete. But God could not wait for Jesus to come. So He found another guy on the planet. His name was David. How many have ever read about David? How many like David? How many can relate to David? <laughs> and they're up on the mountains as David cared for his sheep. In fact, if you don't, I don't think you know this or not, but, but when Samuel came to anoint David, David wasn't anywhere around. He was in the field. You know how old David was at that time? Ten years old. Fighting lions and bears and taking care of the sheep. Ten years old as a warrior for God. And God just decided to reveal Himself to a man beyond the Mosaic Covenant. And He revealed Himself to David. And David said, this is a great and wonderful God. In fact, He is just like a shepherd like me. And when He proclaimed that, when David proclaimed that, He wrote the 23rd Psalm. I'd like to read it to you today out of the Passion Translation. It says, the Lord is my best friend. Amen? Say that. The Lord is my best friend. And my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Sometimes you have to convince yourself because we have default minds that go the opposite way. We get up and we think kind of crazy thoughts in a day. He offers a resting place for me in His luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace and the quiet brook of bliss. That's why we're having a joyful bliss conference October 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. That's where He restores and He revives my life. He opens before me the pathways to God's pleasures. And He leads me along in His footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to His name. Lord even, in your, Lord, even when Your path takes me through the valley of the deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for You already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit, 
And you give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. I think David had some insight about the goodness of God. Amen? So why would I fear the future? Even tomorrow. Even COVID. For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. And then afterwards when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. And so God was giving David a glimpse, a revelation of who he was. And that revelation was the revelation of the goodness of God. Listen, nothing will motivate you better than the goodness of God. When you know God is on your side and God is always for you, and God will always be good to you, nothing will motivate you better than that. Fear is a terrible motivator. People who raise their children in fear have problems with their children when they grow up. We're seeing some of that manifest today. Because the greatest motivator is goodness and love. Giving goodness and love. And the way it all came about was like this. During the decline of the nation of Israel, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, there was a high priest named Eli. Eli had two sons who were corrupt. Thought if they would just take the Ark of the Covenant, much like some today who take lucky charms with them to fight against the enemy, and all they really had when they went to get the ark was an empty box. They thought they got Jesus too. I mean, just because you have a box doesn't mean you have the presence. Amen? And so they took the box and they got defeated. They learned a lesson real quick. And the ark of the covenant was captured and taken to the Philistines. And God judged the Philistines because of it. And they sent it back to a place not in Israel under Saul's reign. Because Saul never once thought about bringing it back to Israel. But David, when he becomes king, says, I'm going to get the ark. I'm going to get the presence of God. And during this time, the tabernacle of Moses was in Gibeah. So David goes from the city of David to go and get the ark of the covenant from Karjeth Jeria and makes one fatal mistake. He didn't ask God what God wanted him to do, like many today who are just going about doing whatever they want to do when they get up. They don't ever pray. They don't ever ask God, what do you want me to do today? What do you, you know, do you want me to go here? You want me to go there? So off he goes to get the box, David. He put it on a cart and he put Yuza was the driver and they started down the road with all sorts of celebration and rejoicing except they forgot to ask God, what do you want? What do you expect? And as they were moving along, the ox stumbled and Uzzah puts forth his hand to steady the Ark of the Covenant out of a good gesture of his heart and God strikes him dead. Now the moral of the story is this. Don't miss the forest by the trees. God was not mad at the driver. He was angry because David had failed to ask God. And this is why David finally repents in 1 Chronicles 15. And then he goes the proper way with the Levites to get the ark of God. And remember when God struck Uzzah, they stopped the cart and took the ark of the covenant and they put it in the house of a Philistine named Obed-Edom. Aren't you glad God didn't name you or your mother and father didn't name you that name? Obed-Edom? You'd have, they'd have a blast with you in school with that name. You know? Obed-Edom. Yeah. <laughs> the Gideonite. And which means he was from the city of Gath, which means he was a Philistine. So they put the Ark of the Covenant in a home of a Philistine. And now look what happens. God blesses the house of Obed-Edom while the Ark is sitting in his house and that again blows David's mind and he goes, why would you even bless this guy? Because he was simply a Philistine. So David concluded that if God can bless 
this Gentile, he can't be mad at me. So he kept trying to figure out why God killed Uzzah. I have a whole sermon on that, but you won't get that answer today. You see, David's motivation was right. He wanted the presence of God. How many here loved? I love the presence of God. I, I sense it today. I sense it every time I'm with brothers and sisters in Christ. And in these days, it's absolutely imperative that every church and every saint and every son and daughter of God hears the Spirit of God on what God wants them to do every day. Because we're living in a kingdom age. Say, we're living in a kingdom age. In a time when we're always trying to copy everyone else's plans. And I believe if we're going to see the glory of God, which I believe we are, then we're going to have to get the blueprint from God. We're going to have to talk to God and ask Him what He wants us to do. Amen? We need the original blueprint. Not last week's, not last year's, not today's, for what God is doing right now. We want instant success, so we try to copy someone else's success story and try to make it ours. And I've seen this in the church. Church, There's a church successful in uh, Chicago, has 15,000 members, so we all try to copycat everything he's doing because we want to be just like the successful church rather than just being who God called us to be. God didn't call us to be that church in Chicago or that church in California or that church in Washington. He called us to be a church here, right here. And Jesus said, if two or more of you are gathered in the midst, He's there. He doesn't need a thousand people to make everybody happy. He's happy with two or three who are sincere and gathered in His name. So today it's absolutely imperative that we as the church discover what God is wanting to do with us and His purposes and no other. It's a wonderful thing to want the presence of God, but it's a horrible thing to try to do it with man's methods. Just don't want to do it that way. So David realized that if God would bless Obed-Edom, then he can't be mad seeing that Obed-Edom is just a lost Philistine. So in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, yes, First Chronicles, First Chronicles 15:13, it says, "For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord God broke out against us because He did not consult Him about the proper order." See, under the old Mosaic covenant, there had to be a proper order. How I many know we're not under that covenant anymore? We're under a new covenant. Amen. And so David went to God and God told David, I don't want you to put the ark back in the tabernacle of Moses. God told David, do not put the ark back at Gibeah in the tabernacle of Moses. I want you to do a new thing. I've got a new order for you, David. I want you to put the tabernacle, the tent, in an open field, a tent wide open where everybody who is out there can get access into my presence. That's why when this guy comes on Thursday and we're at Edgewater Park, the tabernacle is us. And the glory and the presence of God is for everybody who is there. Let's pray that people get the revelation of the goodness of God. Amen? And it's not about what we do. It's about what God will do. And we're there. Amen? And you could find these, I, I'm not going to go to these scriptures, John, Second Chronicles 29, 25, 2 Chronicles 1, 3, and 4. Just 1, 3, and 4. In 3 it says that talks about the tabernacle of Moses. And verse 4 it talks about the new order by God, the tent of David. And then in Acts 15, how I many know it, the, tent, the tabernacle of David is talked about in Acts 15? Trying to understand what is happening now because God has allowed the gospel to even go to the Gentiles. Why is this important? Let me tell you why. Because no Gentile could ever get into the tabernacle of Moses. They couldn't do it. But they could get into the tabernacle of David. And when David went to get the ark at Obed-Edom's house, Obed-Edom followed that ark because he was blessed. And 60 or more family members went with him and Obed-Edom, the Bible says, became a doorkeeper. 
in the tent of David. And because of this, Gentiles could come into the presence of God so that all the families of the earth would be blessed through Him. God is such a good God. He wants to bless all the nations of the earth. And that was His promise to Abraham. And all of this is a forerunner of Jesus who came to eat with sinners and Gentiles to include all the nations and blessings of the Lord. And even today, the Gospel is in many circles has become so powerful. And yet there are people who, who put religion, mix religion into a Gospel that is so free and so wide open and so access to anybody who would come. There are people who are saying, no, you can't do it unless you do what we tell you to do. And I want you to know that's not Jesus at all. That's not the Father's heart. His heart is to bless all the nations of the world, one and all. And so God instituted a new order called the Tent of David. David. And now instead of coming with the sacrifice of animals, you come with the sacrifice of praise. So music and singing become the way to the presence of God. Singing with musical instruments and loud noise. Loud. I don't think it was loud enough in here today. I think we should crank it up. What do you think? <laughs> and so David and Asaph, who was the choir master, God begins to give them songs and directions through the leaders and tells them exactly how to regulate the music and the singing and so forth. And God says, I like this. I like this. And even today, God is busy trying to restore praise to the church of Jesus Christ. He wants it to be more than 20 minutes or 15 minutes. Some churches only give you one before and one in the middle and one at the end. That's all you get. I don't know if you can get presents like that. You know, if you can do that, you might as well just stay home and sing by yourself for a couple hours. You know, but I, <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it at all. And today God is pouring out His anointing and we have yet to see the final results of it all. We are still just scratching the surface of what we are going to yet see in the area of praise and worship. So let's not miss this important point. Praise and worship is the focus of the goodness of God. Praise and worship is the focus of the goodness of God. You read 1 Chronicles 16 when you get some time. 1 Chronicles 16, mark it down. It's the key to Davidic worship. Verse 34 of chapter 16 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever. The essence of the glory of God is none other than His goodness. Exodus 33. How many get, get a chance to read that too. Exodus 33, 12 through 23. Moses said, I'm not going anywhere, God, unless you go with me. And then Moses says, God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. And God says, I'll let all my goodness pass before you, Moses. That was God's glory. It was His goodness. So let us sing about the goodness of God, and this will allow God to minister in our midst. I don't know about you, but boy, when we're singing about the goodness of God, I can't help but sense His love and presence and His kindness and His goodness. I like the worship team to come. Let's, let her, let's enter into His joyful bliss. Amen? We'll take communion and then we'll dis dismiss. Have one praise or two praise or three praise. Or a whole bunch of praise. I won't get bored.
let's we just remember you, Lord. We thank you. You're the bread of life. Lord, we adore you. Lord, we adore you. That this, that last phrase on that song is, Lord, we adore you. We adore you, Lord. We thank you. Lord, we thank you for the bread of life. We thank you for the night you were betrayed. You took bread, you blessed it, you gave thanks, and you gave it to us. And you said, take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. After supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. Let's drink all of it. Have an awesome week.
today to walk in the freedom that he has given each and every one of you and me. Thank you, Lord, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, bless you all. We're going we're gonna to close with our opener. We're going to close with a little holy water. You're welcome to stay and dance a little with us.
like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of a symphony to my ears. It's like holy water on my skin. Remember that this week, you have holy water on your skin. You 